1: have a special place where we can meet with God and knowing that God will meet us there think of Bethel for Abraham Bethel for Jacob I think of a a special place where they met with God mine was the beach when I was first saved mine was the beach in Ocean City but not during the crowded days of summer mine was the days when in winter when you'd go up there and you could look as far as the eye could see and you wouldn't see a soul there not a soul that was so great It was just me and the Lord
0: All throughout scripture, we read of several instances where prominent figures had unique places where they went to be alone with the Lord. Do you have such a place in your life? As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, setting aside time for one-on-ones with God is paramount for your walk. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 5 as he begins his message, Radical Obedience.
1: Joshua chapter 5, as we make our way through this really great book of Joshua, the theme is the victorious Christian, and hopefully you're seeing some things using Joshua as our example of being a victorious Christian. Hopefully we're relating that enough. So let's read the whole chapter. It's only uh, 15 verses. Let's read that whole chapter before we go back and look at it today. Joshua 5. Beginning in verse 1. Read silently as I read aloud, please. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again for the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself, circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had shown to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey." Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he'd raised up in their place. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they'd stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. And kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on that very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him, his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant?" Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. As we come now to study your word, Lord, help us to glean from it what the victorious Christian life would look like. Help us, Lord, to be good students of your word, knowing, Father God, that your word is here for us to learn from. And these pages that we read in the Old Testament are used as examples for us to learn from, to know how we ought to behave, how we ought to act. Lord, help us, Father God, have the radical obedience that comes by faith and faith alone. As you lead us and guide us by your Spirit, may we continue to see you in every avenue that we walk, in every place that we put our feet, Lord, because you've gone there before us and you're meeting us there as we step. Overflow us afresh, Lord, with your spirit that we might know you better, that we might see you in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we studied last time in chapter 4, Joshua now, following God's command and following God's provision by opening up the Jordan, has safely brought the Israelites across the Jordan into the land of promise, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and And Jacob, this wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. In verse 14 of chapter 4, we see that on that day, it says, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. God raises up Joshua just like he said he would back in chapter 3, verse 7. He said he would exalt Joshua, in front of all the people. We know that Joshua, being humbled, turned around and exalted God every chance he got. Turned around and gave glory to God every chance he got. And as a victorious Christian, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be giving God glory for everything in our lives. There's not one thing that we don't have that he has not given to us, that he has not provided for us. And we need to be ever thankful in our heart, giving Him glory, even if He raises us up. We need to turn around and give Him glory that's due His name. Give Him pleasure by having faith in Him and believing that He's going to do that, which He says He will do. First of all, what does He say He would do? He said He would forgive our sins, first and foremost. He would forgive our sins and He would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow! What a promise. What a promise we have from our God. The victorious Christian knows that their sins are forgiven. Knows that they've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And gives God glory and praise because of it. And this is what Joshua did. But I think, I think God exalted Joshua more for Israel's sake than for Joshua's sake. I mean, Joshua knew who he was. And we talked about this in chapter one, the man that God uses, the man that shows faith and has been serving Moses for forty some odd years, the man of good character, the man that God raises up. So Joshua was was secure with who he was, but I think Israel was tenuous about Joshua. I mean, all they ever saw him was was Moses' servant, and now he's the head honcho. He's the boss. He's the one that they have to answer to. So I think that all this happened so that Israel would see, wow, God's really with this guy. God has chosen him. And we will listen to him. And no, it says, we will fear him like they feared Moses, he said. So I think this was something that Israel needed because it was going to take a strong leader to conquer the land. It was going to take someone who was really seeking God, seeking God and God alone, because God would lead them into this land. It was going to take someone who could hold everything together. Now, remember, look around the room. We're not talking about this many people. We're talking about a couple million people, plus livestock and all the other things. So this was a huge task. A huge test, And I don't know if you remember, if you were keeping score, but last week when Bill stood up here and he went through the tribes of Israel and how they were stationed around the tabernacle, which, by the way, looks like a cross when you put the ratio of each tribe's around there. If you heard what he was saying, 185,000 here, 200,000 here, you start adding these things up, you got a lot of people. And the only people that were numbered during those days were men. We don't know how many women and children came along. We don't know. So we're talking about a gaggle of people. We're talking about a lot of people that Joshua was now responsible for. He had an answer to the Lord for these people. So I think the Lord raised them up for Israel's sake, so that they would know that they had a strong leader. So we study, the Lord says to Joshua, choose 12 men, one from each tribe, and as they cross the river, take stones. And when they get to the camp, place these stones in a place where everybody can see them as a memorial. The camp was in Gilgal. It was a memorial of what God was doing in their lives. It was a memorial they would always remember. In fact, when the children would say, why are those stones there? Their parents would be able to say, well, this is where God led our people. When they were coming out of Egypt, coming into the land the first. This is a memorial to them. Joshua also placed 12 stones in the river. But he placed them at the exact spot that the priests were standing. I'm sure he had to move out of the way while he placed them there. But he placed them in the exact spot. And they would be there. And they would be there as a memorial. And you read about that in 15 through 24. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the feet, the priest's feet, touched the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its bank. And now before now the people came up From the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho, and those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on the dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that they may fear the Lord your God forever. Uh, Earlier, it talks about Joshua setting up the stones. So there was a purpose. So the fear of the Lord would be in the people, all the people of the earth. So it says the children camped at this place called Gilgal. This place became holy ground to the children of Israel. We're going to see about it in a couple of verses down the pike. But it became their base of operation. It became Joshua's place of readjustment. Joshua would return to Gilgal after every victory and praise God. He would return to Gilgal when there weren't some victories. And this happened a couple times to talk to God, to commune with God. And I think this is really cool. It was focal for his readjustment. I think we as victorious Christians need to have a place where we can meet with God. I don't know about you, but we need to have a special place where we can meet with God and knowing that God will meet us there. Think of Bethel for Abraham, Bethel for Jacob. I think of a a special place where they met with God. Mine was the beach when I was first saved. Mine was the beach in Ocean City, but not during the crowded days of summer, Mine was the days when in winter when you'd go up there and you could look as far as the eye could see and you wouldn't see a soul there. Not a soul. It was so great. It was just me and the Lord and my dog. It was what a great time. But it was a special place where I knew the Lord would meet with me. I knew the Lord would, would guide me and I could speak with him and I, and I could read his word and worship him. I think we need that. I think we need that special place. So the first thing we saw about Gilgal was it was a place of remembrance, the stones. Remember, remember what the Lord was doing. It was a place of readjustment. The stones would remind Israel, and they were there to remind the whole world of what God had done for them. Now, I found something curious that I'd like to explore just for a minute. A couple commentators hit on this. Many didn't. I'm not, not trying to make, make a new doctrine out of this, but I just want you to check something out. In 1 John, in, in John chapter 1, in John chapter 1 and verse 28, it says, John answered. Now John is baptizing Jesus, baptizing in the Jordan. It says in 28, These things were done at Bethabara, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Bethabara means house of passage, House of Passage. There are many people who think that this was where Jesus was baptized, and the House of Passage is exactly where the Israelites came across. The Jordan River. Many people believe that. Now hang on with me for a minute, okay? It's not as far-fetched as you think. Go back. In Matthew 3, after Jesus was baptized... John was fighting with the people. It's John the Baptist. And do not think to say for yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Was he pointing to the same stones that Joshua had put in the river? It could happen. It's possible. Interesting stuff. I just wanted to throw it out there for you to chew on a little bit. It's interesting things, though, when you think about it. It's interesting. It's interesting. Really interesting. It caught my attention. Israel was being brought into the land that God had wanted them. He wanted them to trust in him. He wanted to show them the way. He wanted them to know that he was in complete control of everything that was going to happen to them step by step. He wanted to have them to have their own memories of him. He wanted them to have remembered accomplishment in their lives and know that he was ever indeed faithful. Always faithful. And so, too, as the Spirit leads the abundant life for the Christian, the victorious life that we have in Christ, we remember His sacrifice on a regular basis, the sacrifice on the cross through communion, remembering what He accomplished for us. And that's why we at Calvary Chapel celebrate the Lord's Supper once a month. Once a month. Jesus never told us when to do it, He never told us how often to do it. You can do it as many times as you meet. In fact, I believe that if you read Acts, I believe that every time they met, they not only ate together a supper, but they celebrated communion also. I believe that you can find that in the book of Acts. So, But we we are to remember how faithful God is and what he accomplished. And as I had told you before, the Lord is now bringing Israel into a new relationship with him. He's bringing them into a spiritual awareness, if you will, He wanted to do a work within them. He wanted to do a work within their hearts. And he wanted them to discard any works of the flesh. And he wanted him to draw closer to him through the spirit. God was working mightily in their lives. Israel was on a spiritual journey. Joshua and the armies were ready to attack. The guys from Gad, the guys from Manasseh, and the the Reuben, they were ready. Remember those 40,000 that came over with them? They were ready to attack. They wanted to go. But the Lord still had work to do. The Lord still had work to do. One more work that He was going to do within the camp. This work required a radical obedience by faith. A radical obedience by faith. And that's why I've called today's study a radical obedience. It's going to be 10 more days before, after they do this, it's going to be 10 more days before they're ready. And then it's going to be another week after that before Jericho falls. All this time, they're in the land. All this time, they're getting themselves together. But see, God's people must be prepared before they can be trusted with a victory. Our hearts must be ready to receive the victory. Our heart must be ready to receive all that God has for us. The flesh has to be done away with. So that we can have a complete victory that only God can give. So as we begin chapter 5, probably thought I'd never get there. As we begin chapter 5, we see, and so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Remember in chapter 2 when the spies came to Rahab's house? They were hiding up on the roof. And what did Rahab say? You can find that back in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I'll read it for you. Rahab speaking. Well, 9, 10, 11. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has falling on us, and that all of the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. The spies came back from Rahab's house. They told Joshua this. They declared, hey, we got these guys. These guys are going to fall under our hands because they're all afraid of us. The kings of the Amorites, the kings of the Canaanites, now they're afraid. Why are they afraid? They're not afraid for the Red Sea. They're afraid from what they heard now from the River Jordan. They heard that this guy, wait a minute, now he opens up another waterway? Now he opens up another thing for these? Who can stop this guy? Well, they're thinking rightly, but listen to it. It says their hearts melted. Their heart melted. And the spirit was gone. I'm not fighting those guys. You go ahead and fight. I'm not going to fight them. I'll tell you what, we can learn from this for a victorious Christian life. When the enemy sees us trusting in the most holy God, when the enemy sees us relying solely on his ability to accomplish those things that are before us, he trembles. He trembles. And he loses spirit. We need to show him that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We need to declare to him that he's not welcome here among us. That we have the power through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he, Christ, has overcome him. And he will fear and flee. Look at verse two a. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, "Make flint knives for yourself." I can just see Joshua standing there right now. All right, now we're going to war. Woo! All right, finally, get the knives out. We're going to war. Come on, guys, here we go. War time. This is going to be great. I'm sure, the Lord would have to say, "Hold on there a second, fella. Just a slight minute." Not quite time to fight. Did he not hear the second part of the command? And circumcise the sons of Israel again for the second time. Excuse me? This, this had to be a daunting task to Joshua. Now remember, let's, let me try to set the scene for you if I could, please. We already talked about the vast majority of people, all right? We talked about them, probably two million or so men alone. And we don't know how many of them were fighting age. We don't know how many of them were warriors. None of them are over 40 years old. Remember that. Not one of them is over 40 years old because they're the ones who were born after they left Egypt, right? Joshua's 80 now, and he's going to go up to these guys. Uh, I got some good news and I got some bad news. They could have overtaken him in a heartbeat. They could have thrown him out. But see, I go back to what had happened earlier. God exalted Joshua, God made Joshua to the people where they would fear him, where they would accept his commands, as radical as they may be. You are sure.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly that's all we have time for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Joshua on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a little bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or your computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have child care available, so bring your entire family. You can find out more at assurehoperadio.com or give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Assure Hope.